Welcome to another edition of the Instant Journeyman Podcast, Whatever Wednesday series. That's where we have guests from all over the map to talk about anything ranging from sports to politics, musicals, food, and even safety, or really whatever we want to talk about. Uh, so please enjoy. Today's guest is Dustin Swicek. Uh Dustin is somebody that I, I knew uh, back in the day uh, when our brothers played hockey together. And um, we really didn't keep in touch after they stopped playing together. And I found out uh, via Facebook that he, he became a chef and you know really didn't keep in touch. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, just this year or this past year, I, uh, I started seeing a little bit more. And then my parents were like, oh, did you see that Dusty, you know, uh, he started a, a company uh, where he sells knives right from Japan and this and that. And he makes the handles. So I was like, man, he would be great to have on. So he, he actually reached out. We, we, we put it together. And I'm excited to share it with you. He talks about how these knives are made. He talks about, um, you know, the, the different types and styles of knives, uh, the quality and things like this. And they're not just any ordinary knife. It's a, it's a really interesting, um, you know, quality knife. Uh, he also shares with us how he lost everything due to uh, the addiction to opiates. And uh, I, I, I'm, I, was, I was impressed. I was shocked. I, I didn't know that any of this happened. Um, and I, I, was, I, was, I was impressed that he shared that with us. And he also is six years sober. So I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. He's, he's crushing it now and got a, a, a new storefront uh, opening up soon. So, uh, you know, take a listen, enjoy, and uh, learn something new. Dustin Schweichek is is here. Uh, he is uh, you're you're the owner of Sharp, Real Sharp Knives. Owner, yeah, owner. owner. Uh, uh, we're a little over a year in right now. Yeah. All right, all right. And I I wanted to have him on because uh, well I I actually we we know each other from a long time ago. Our <laughs> brothers played hockey together. Uh, your dad coached them. Yeah. Um and uh, and then you know kind of haven't talked in a long time. And then I see that you were doing big things. You were, you know, a, a chef at, at some pretty nice restaurants. And then again, didn't, didn't see anything. And then now you're popping up and my, my parents, did my parents go to your wedding? I don't even know. Uh, I think I, they were there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were yeah, there. yeah. So, so my parents, my parents went to your wedding. Um, and, uh, and then they were like, "Oh, Dustin's got this new, uh, new, new, new company about you know knives and stuff like that. You should check it out." I checked it out, and then you reached out to me, and I, I was like, "Dude, I would love to have you on." So yeah. I wanted to you know bring you on, talk about talk about these knives, and you know learn a little bit. You know that's that's the whole thing behind uh, this podcast is I I, I do it. I, I interview people that I think are interesting that I can learn from and and all different areas. So I'm I'm really excited to have you on. Yeah, so thank you. Awesome. <laughs> I appreciate the the having me on so yeah to so so let's uh let's let's just start off like where where did you where did you where did you start like where, how did you get into becoming a chef and and all those things um i mean my old polish grandmother making pierogies as a kid like you know five, five six years old like going over there to help you know and she already was making them and i would help her roll them out and i always said like i'm gonna be a chef one day like that's since i've you know been i can remember career day in like the seventh grade and the a chef comes in and i'm like i'm gonna be a chef one day like so 
I went to Harkness. Uh, it's a vocational school f- during high school. Um, for okay. anyone that doesn't know, um, so halfway through the day, you go to cook or or take auto body or auto tech or anything like that. And um, I took culinary, obviously. And one of the um, teachers asks me to come work for uh, the Buffalo Club, which is a double platinum club. Um, Millard Fillmore, the president of the United States, was a president of this club way back oh, when. Wow. Yeah, so huge history at this place. So I was a junior in high school, and he took me and two seniors, and they kept me on after the busy season. And I stayed there for a couple of years, and that's like where I really got my start. But I had been, you know, cooking uh, under the table at pizzerias since I've been like 15. So that was nice. kind of the progression um, to get into like a real deal kitchen. And then from there, it really went to, uh, I went to Park Country Club and I spent five years there um, working for James Roberts, who is um, a huge mentor, was, was my like, my mentor and, and the guy I looked up to kind of took me by the by the neck and you know my hard-headedness and was like you know this is what you need to do and blah 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 and he afforded me the opportunity to work all over the country so so you did you did you work where, where else did you work outside of uh the buffalo area you, you you went and traveled yeah so i went to um work at a club uh, on sanibel island in florida called sanctuary golf club which oh, is man. like the owner of the mets and the owner of kodak like this is big money, like quarter million to be a member type of club. Um, so they, they paid for me to come out there and like paid for my apartment to come work for a while during their busy season. And then I went, yeah, it was super cool. And I mean, gorgeous. Sanibel Island is beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been. I, I, I've been, I've been once, but it's, I mean, it's, I I love, I love Florida. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So um, I lived in Fort Myers for like four months and stayed there and, uh, you know, came back home to park. And then the next year I went to go to an apprenticeship or a journeyman program. It was called at River Oaks Country Club in Houston, Texas. And the Bushes are oh. members. Chuck Norris was a member. So we nice. got to see like, like, so the Bushes would come in for a party and drug dogs and bomb dogs would come through the whole club and like inspect the club when they were coming in and stuff but this was like a big club i mean it's it's uh um the chef there is one of people that's kind of in charge in um american culinary federation he does a lot of stuff for that and he's really highly regarded um we got to see like the um U.S. Olympic team practice. The culinary Olympic team would come there and practice. Um, really? I know your, your buddy Shay was, you know, he competed quite a bit through that stuff. Well, this was like the real deal Olympic team, like what he was like tr- trying to be part of. This was yeah. those guys that, you know, went over to Germany to compete and stuff like that. And wow. Um, actually, my roommate was... Uh, he competed in what's called Bacustior. It's like a, a two-man best chef. Um, one person gets named from each, each country, and they go to France, and they compete in Paul Bacuse's name. Um, it's it a pretty big deal. So he was like the Comey, the, the sous chef for the, the, this chef, and went to this. So 
I learned a ton there. I mean, huge scale, 100 cooks, like giant club. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I, I didn't I didn't even know that they had like a, a chef Olympics type deal. Yeah, I, yeah. I knew that like I've, I've been to a few of, of uh, you know, Shay's competitions and they're awesome. And, yeah. and like uh, he won one in Buffalo. He you know, he, he's he's his his team uh, that he was a part of won one in New York City. And it was really awesome. Yeah. I didn't even know that they do it on a, like a global scale. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My buddy Corey, actually, that was just in the la- uh, the one two years ago. It was the first time the U.S. had gold. And he was really? the youngest member ever to uh, be on the Culinary Olympic team at like 23 or 24. This kid is just like a monster. Like, Holy work, cow. I've never seen somebody work so hard, would like work a 20-hour day and then go learn to play guitar. I'm like, when, when, do, you, when do you sleep? <laughs> wow. That's so, awesome. That's really cool. So then I came back to Buffalo. Grandpa got sick. Uh, oh. um, my grandma had passed away. Um, right as I was getting the job in Houston and I actually crazy story is I wasn't able to go see her and she was supposed to get out the next day and I went in to go see her because we I was working 80 hours a week it was the middle of summer Uh, we were slammed and I went in to see her and she wakes up and she says that's the last thing I needed was to see you and an hour after we got home we got the call that she was gone so she she sat there and held on for me to come see her and then and she was supposed to get out the next day so it was like I didn't understand what she was saying when she said the last thing I needed was to see you and so that she's like if you get that job in Houston go you know so she was it it was crazy that's nuts I I mean I I truly believe that people do that I uh, my my grandmother passed away and it was like you know, um, uh, my, my grandma, my mom's side. And when, when we all went to the the place and we saw her and, and then all of a sudden it was a couple of days later, she just went, she was like, you know, everybody that, that needed to be there was there. And she, she knew it was time to go. So it was, it yeah, was nuts. crazy. Yeah. My, my yeah. grandpa um, did the same thing, but the opposite, like we were supposed to go to a hockey game and he was on a vent and they like, we had to basically unplug them because they said there was no chance and he like right. would not let go while we were there and the second we left it was like we we're like son of a bitch you, you stubborn wow. old Polak you just had to be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um so 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 you came you came back to Buffalo and 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 what did you what did you get into there uh um I went to go work shortly for uh Mike Andrew Jesse the owner of Seabar um to learn to roll some sushi. I spent like six months there. Um, and then I went to go be the, take my first managerial job, um, as the sous chef of Shango Bistro and wine bar. And, uh, all while, uh, I spent about two years there and this is all while, I mean, you know, my brother, uh, got, got me into, Doing lore tabs and Oxycontin at 15 years old. So this is all while this is all going on my career. I'm moving around and I'm in full blown addiction. You know, I'm working, but I'm going through all this. And uh, Shango ended up letting me go, you know, where we went our separate ways because the drug problem was getting in the way finally. Wow. So you, you did all of this stuff while being addicted to yeah. opiates. Know, opiates. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. 
I mean, there were some times that I would get like a little bit of clean time or when Suboxone first came out and, you know, I worked the program properly and stuff like that. But there all this time, you know, I, I was dealing with addiction and um, that's when I went to go be the fine dining sous chef of the casino. And I, I had started getting clean again and then it graduated while I was there from Oxycontin and Lord's tabs and stuff like that to full-blown heroin addiction. And oh I, my God. I, three years, I lost everything, you know, car, house, um, really, you know, in debt, everything. I, I lost everything. I owned my motorcycle. You know, I, I had nothing. I went to jail, went to oh, rehab, wow. went to jail, went to rehab, you know, the, the cycle. And then, uh, it just kind of clicked one day. I was like, this isn't, this isn't the life I want to live anymore. So right. I was kind of gone for three years and now Buffalo's small. Everybody knows everybody and the Buffalo chef community is even smaller. So it's smaller. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm knocking on doors. Like, let me get a job. Let me get, and everyone's like, yeah, I don't know, Dustin, like you've, you know, have had some troubles, you know, like they're not telling me that, but I know what's going on. You know, one person's right, calling right. one person and they're like, so finally I get, I get the opportunity at uh, a place called Burning Buffalo Bar and Grill on Hurdle. And they, they give me a chance to kind of, um, you know, they had been open for like a year and they want to reinvent what their food was. And their chef before was, you know, buying a bunch of shit and, you know, pre-made stuff and everything like that. And he wanted, right. they wanted somebody to come in and really, you know, build a culture and make the food great. And I went in there and I, I did that and, you know, started, people started hearing my name again. You know, this, I'm, you know, the kitchen's the size of your brother's apartment kitchen. It was tiny. Right. And they're like, this, <laughs> this kid's back, he's doing something, you know, we all want to go eat and, you know, their business started getting much better. And that's when I ended up back with James Roberts to open Debutsu, the seafood restaurant, focusing in like Japanese Pacific Northwest cuisine. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, uh, I, I went there and ran, <clears throat> ran his kitchen was, um, not the executive chef because he called himself the executive chef, but I was a chef de cuisine. So, which meant, you know, I handled day-to-day operations, ordering inventory, you know, costing everything that a chef would do, you know? Right. 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 Yeah. And, and, and now you, when you, when you got into that, I mean, uh, when you, when you got that role, yeah, you were, you were clean or were yeah. you still? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, you've been, you've been clean ever since then. Yeah. I, I, when I got the job at Burning Buffalo, I was about a year sober. Um, oh, nice. So that's about six years now. Um, I, that's, you know, I mean, I, that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a, a tough task, and I don't I don't want to graze over that. I want I want people to realize, like, yeah. being, being sober. I mean, I I've I I know another friend who she you know like died and Narcan brought her back type deal and. Uh, she, she, you know, she's now sober and she lost everything too. And, and I was like, oh my God, like to see that, to hear that. And it's just, it's, it's no easy task. So to be, to be clean sober for, for six years, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a grind. It, it does get easier, but it's like when you, when you first walk into NA and they say buy a suit 
and uh, because you're gonna bury more people than you're gonna get friends, you know. And I've I've lost so many people. I mean, you you were what two years ahead of me, three years ahead of me in high school. Yeah, I think you were just I, I, out when I was coming in, maybe so four years, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's when it like the the craze happened. That's when oxycotton hit the hit the streets and and everything. So what we did I didn't know any better you know when I did these things one day I woke up and I felt shitty and I was like oh well I take it again and I feel better and now I'm realizing that I'm addicted nobody said you know the bottle of Lortabs and the bottle of Oxycontin doesn't say on the side like if you take three days in a row you're going to be sick with withdrawal like I mean right pharmaceutical companies fucking suck sorry yeah (laughs) yeah no I I I I I agree (laughs) I agree yeah, no, and, and it's, I mean, at such a young age, you, you, you got into it. And like you said, it was it was pretty readily available from what I understand. When we left high school, I mean, I think marijuana was like the biggest drug in high school when we were there. Um, and it was like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and then and then when we when we left, it was, you know, all of a sudden rumors were that, you know, it's Oxycontin and stuff like that. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, yeah. that's, that's hard. Like, that's hard stuff. I'm so I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah, and the reality is, is like, they pushed this drug and these painkillers out to everybody, and then the kids got them, and then they become too expensive, and then now you're buying heroin off the street that you don't know what's in it, and now they're putting fentanyl in it, and people are dropping like flies. Like, I couldn't even imagine going back out to the streets to do that. Like, I would, like... You know, there's no trust in in anybody. You know, with that, and they don't give a fuck if you die. The problem is, right. is, is, is if one person overdoses from the heroin, ten more people call because they heard someone overdosed from it because they want it because it's stronger. That's how crazy. That's how it, it works. That's how it's crazy it is. Like if you hear if you hear somebody died from it, like if if say your your dealer, you like your buddy died. You would be calling the dealer like, let me get that because you know it's stronger. That that's how your brain functions when you're doing it. Holy crap! I see. I would have thought. I would have thought the complete opposite. I would have thought, man, somebody died. They're gonna lose business. No. But you're telling me that they gained blow, business from that. Phone blows up. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, th- this was all kind of before. Like, I got out right, right when the fentanyl and car fentanyl thing like really blew up. Um, so granted I was lucky, but many people don't, don't know this, you know, about me and it's, it's been a path and a struggle and, you know, I have everything I could ever want now, you know, and I own my own business now. So, right. And, and like that's, that's history. Like that's past and, and you're not, you're not going back there. You're, you're, you know, you have too much going for yourself now to even freaking think about that you're yeah you're, you're married um which by the way she's beautiful thank I, you i, I saw thank pictures you. Yes. <laughs> um uh you're married you have your business and uh, are you still involved in the chef game are you still you know cooking no, anywhere doing anything i i miss it um the reality was is people don't realize how high stress of a job it is um especially being a chef and um not to complain about kids these days, but kids don't want to work. And right. um, people don't realize, like, when you're 
a cook or a chef, you're running 10 hours of the day, especially at a high-end right. fine dining restaurant. Like, it's, it's one of the hardest jobs you can get. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. So, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's all over, though, because when you, when you say that kids don't know how to work these days, what's amazing to me is my buddy owns pizzeria. He owns Picasso's in, um, in Hamburg area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, he tells me all the time, like, man, it's impossible to get good working kids. Like, everybody's just, like, sitting on their phone, typing away, you know, doing this, doing that. Or they're just like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or, you know, it's, it's, they think they have an option. Which yeah. it's not. You you go to work. You do what they tell you to do. Like that's the main thing. Yeah, and and like being a chef, like the way I was brought up in the business is like least amount of words needed when you say something. Like yes, chef, no chef. I don't understand chef. Those are the only three responses you're allowed to say. And if you say no chef, it better be a good fucking reason. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. And and then the same thing with a chef talking to you, like especially during dinner service, like quick, quick things you say, like, I need that now, you know, like, I'm not saying please, like that, that's adding time to what I don't have, you know what I mean? And it came a point that it was like, people were getting offended. And I'm like, what are you offended about? Like, we're in the middle, we're, we're in war right now. Like, that's what people right. don't realize when you have 100 people sitting down and they all want their food at the same time. Like, you might as we're, we're in war, like, we got to get this done. I can't, I can't come you know, rub your back for you and, you know, right. be beg you to do something for me. So I just kind of got tired of it yeah. and the stress. Bur burnt and, out. Yeah, burnt, burnt out. I mean, Anthony Bourdain will tell you the same thing. Who also heroin addict, if you didn't know that, you know. Uh, I, I did. And is that is that how he died or no? He died no, no, suicide, he killed right? himself. Yeah, yeah. I, he had that. I won't get into it. We had that girlfriend, Asa, from Triple yes. uh, X movie, yes. and she got caught with yeah. that young boy or whatever. And I think he yeah. had just, but he stayed drinking and, and drinking like a fish. So, uh, you right. know, I stayed completely sober for like four years. And now I will have a beer on occasion or, you know, a drink on occasion, but I don't like altering my body the second i feel like i've altered the way i'm feeling i i, I stop because i don't ever want to go to that place again so yeah i i mean I, I was i was just going to ask you if you if you you know uh had addiction in any other area like you know a drinking so i guess you know you you you, you were sober for a while there and now you yeah. just once or one one or two and then you're done you're not yeah you don't push it to the limits no no i and i won't i don't like the way it feels um i, I really only liked opiates and the reality was is i was working 80 hours a week and they helped me get work i i right. you know a lot of people don't know who know me like i left high school five foot two um i dropped out so when i was working at the buffalo club um I said to the chef, I was like, can I work full time if I drop out? And he's like, only if you get your GED. So I went and like did my GED without taking any classes or anything and just took the test to get, get my GED a year before I was supposed to graduate and, and got, got my GED and went there full time. Now, at that point, I was five foot two. The next year I was six foot three. So holy shit, I grew 13 inches in that year. And I think 
without the opiates every day, I don't know if I would have been able to do it because I would have felt the pain of my knees and my joints growing like that. Right, so, right. Wow. Wow. That's a huge jump. Yeah, the, doc, <laughs> the doctor literally said, what the fuck? He's like, what, you, what, you been, what have you been doing? I'm like, honestly, doctor, everything and anything that should be stunting my growth, I've been doing. So I, I, I was what, just going to say, like, that, that doesn't make sense that you would grow that much and you're doing, you know, drugs. Smoke, smoking, coffee, you know, I mean, all that stuff. So it didn't, maybe I would have been seven foot tall. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Now I'm, out, I'm only 6'5". Are you 6'5 now? Yeah, 6'5 now. Holy shit. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, man. That's so it's, crazy. It's been a long time since we saw each other, and it's a long time since wrestling matches in the basement. Yeah, yeah. right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember those. I remember those. Um, but no, I, I, didn't, I didn't know you are that tall. My God. Um, yeah. So, so you, I mean... So I I'm, I I feel like I I have a very addictive personality, and that's why yeah. I've never done any drug. I I I drink obviously, but I I've never done a drug, and 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 I've never smoked. I, I don't drink coffee, like just because I have such an addictive personality. Like when I go to a casino, like I'm like boom boom, let's 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 gamble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I can stop. Like it's not like to the point where it's a a problem. Yeah. Like, did you have any any other things? Oh, that full, you were... uh, full blown addict my whole life. Like, like I, I mean, that's how the knives I came mean, into play. That's how working like, working eighty hours a week. You have to be an addict to, of the to, lifestyle you know, of of yeah. cooking. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 the funny part is, is you you don't come home and like relax. You come home and you look through cookbooks or go online to see what the newest craze is and stuff like that. But I can remember back to being a kid, like my mom always tells this story i wanted to get turntables and i wanted to start djing and i literally printed every type of turntable there was built a binder and brought like a uh you know a whole binder full of like this is what i can do with it this is how i'll make money blah 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 but everything i do is 150 percent when i do it and it's bad and good at the same time because I get passionate, but I also can become obsessed, you know? Right. I would just say that's, that's probably, it's probably a good thing that you, you have that type of personality. It's just tweaking it. So it's, it, it works for the best. Yeah. You know, yeah. And not the worst. Right. Yeah. Like, like you wouldn't be successful if you didn't have that personality, that addictiveness. Right. Yeah, for sure. The, so we'll get into the knives now and, 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 you know, you started the company when you said, uh, two? February 31st of last year. Yeah. So we're, uh, during the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Well, yeah. at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Sorry, at the right at the, the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we had been, um, I had been collecting knives for a long time. Um, I saw, so I saw your website. Yeah. It's realsharpknives.com, I believe. RealSharpKnife.com. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sharp knife. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you you have a little bit of like it says about me at the bottom of it, and you talk about how, how I got into it. it. You, it. You bought a bunch of like you know knives throughout your career, and it was shitty, and you know you kept on you know basically realizing you're spending every paycheck buying something newer and better yeah. instead of you know buying the highest quality right away. Yeah. Um. And and learning about it, and so. You know, I started getting into the Japanese knives at Tabutsu. Go figure. I'm, you know, slicing raw fish and stuff like that. Right. Like, so um, that's when I started getting into the higher end types of knives. And 
um, I saw on Instagram this guy making custom handles. Um, I brought a couple of what I do. Yeah. Um, so okay. I saw those are. These are what we put on our blades. Yeah. So okay. they're, they're made from stabilized burl that they in, uh, dye and then inject with resin. So, okay. um, oh, that's cool. The, yeah. I actually just finished them yesterday. Um, so I reached so out to you make those. Yeah. That's how the business started. That's how that wow. I, I reached out to a guy that made them and he was like, he told me like 150 bucks and I'm like, you're out of your mind. I'm just going to go buy the tools and do this. I got no woodworking right. background. I go to Harbor <laughs> Freight. I buy some cheap bullshit tools that break after like three weeks. But I start making a couple. And now, after I made one that looks okay, like just okay, I call, email, text message, whatever I can do to every knife shop in Canada and the United States. Like buy my custom wah handles, blah, blah, blah. And... Um, a knife shop in Toronto called um, Knife, go figure. Um, he's like, come up here to Toronto and let me see him and we'll talk about it and blah, blah, blah. So he, he buys 24 of them. And now I'm like, 24? Like, I, <laughs> it takes me a week to produce one at this point. Like, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> so that's how it started. And then... Um, I started selling to a couple other shops and then we were like, all right, well, this isn't a hobby anymore. Let's get an LLC. Let's make it a business. And I'm like, I talked to my wife, Tamara, and she is the most supportive woman I've ever met in my entire life. Um, she will support me to the bitter end, you know, um, and do anything for me. I'm like, Hey babe, why don't we just like see if we can buy some knives and open up an online store and see where that goes, you know? Maybe, you know, we just buy the blades and put the handles on them and maybe I do it on the side. So now when you buy these, first of all, finding wholesalers for these knives is near impossible. You have to go to Japan. Like these guys don't want to sell because they take a long time to make and they don't right. want to, they don't want to flood the market. I'm persistent. I emailed these guys you know, 20 times a piece till finally a couple of them are like, okay, well, we'll, all right, we'll deal with you. So now when you order them, weight limits or the weights probably at least a year before you're going to see a product because really they take this long to be made. Oh my God. And they, you have all these other companies that are ahead of you that are actually like, I'm ordering two and three pieces. These pieces, places are ordering 30 and 40 pieces. So who the, who am I? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, Priority. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting the odds and ends like, Oh, I had a couple extra of these, you know, here you go. Right. So, right. um, so we start getting knives in, right. And, um, this is, uh, like right as the pandemic's hitting, um, no, no, it's like November, which was right at a year from when we ordered knives. And, uh, I see that like China thing going on and I'm like, this shit's coming here. Like I'm telling my wife, I'm like, it's going to be a, a mess. Like it's going to come here. And sure enough, like February hits and we're like, we're putting the LLC together and, and getting that pushed through. And, uh, here it is March 15th. I get laid off, you know, for, cause I was still working and oh, okay. it was, a, it was a blessing because I got to focus my time in the website and the knives and the craft and 
um, you know, so then we like opened up a pop-up store um, at Main, 777 Main Street and uh, we were there for like four months, five months, um, just trying to let people know about us. Um, right. Um, we're signing a lease today to open at George Urban and Union and it'll be a five-year lease. So we'll have full-time shop open and we don't just sell knives. We, we sell... Uh, kitchen tools, you know, handmade frying pans, handmade cutting boards, handmade, uh, you know, knife magnets and knife racks and some of that stuff I'm learning to build myself. Um, but we also do knife sharpening and professional knife sharpening. And the difference between uh, pulling your knife through the thing or sending it out to somebody, they're grinding it at an angle that it might not be right for the knife. So, so you guys, you guys do it the, I mean, the right way, the right way. Yeah. Every knife has a different angle. Um, this is kind of what we use. This is called uh, a whetstone. If I can get it out of the box, this is actually our brand. We have our own brand of whetstones. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I had, I have your, your website pulled up. It's, uh, I mean, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty yeah. awesome. They, like the, the, the knives that you, you have, you made all the handles. Uh, the ones that typically look brown, but any colorful ones are from me. Yeah. That's, that, that was kind of our thing is like to bring some, some life. This isn't going to come out, but, um, so you soak this in water and then you freehand, uh-huh. you freehand sharpen. So you hold the knife at the angle properly and it's, okay. and it's, uh, my YouTube channel, you can, um, see how to sharpen. It's got lessons and stuff. And then we teach classes too. So that's cool. So, so at, at, at this, at this new shop, you said it was on, it, it, be at, uh, it was on Maine. It's going to be at George oh. Urban and Union in that plaza over there. Oh, by Tops. Yeah. oh okay. Yeah. I know yeah. exactly where that is. That isn't, isn't there like a Duff's near there? Uh, I think you're thinking, no. you're thinking of transit. Oh yes, I am. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't lived in Buffalo since I was 17. So I'm, I know I'm you were gone. You were in <laughs> Florida and then all over. I was in I was in New York City. I was in Miami. Uh, yeah, so I can't no, imagine no. how many sky miles you you brought up over the years. Uh, I have uh, I have well over 1.2 million right now. Fly for free for the rest of your life. Uh, I you know it's if if this pandemic didn't hit, I would be close to yeah I'd be close to being an executive platinum or I'm sorry a platinum for life. Yeah, so it's. You know, you you, you want to keep going up the, the ladder. I, I'm almost to the point with hotel points where I, I can stop staying there. And then whenever I go in there, I'm at the highest level, even though I have no stays with them. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you uh, still working the same job? Like. Yep. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yep. I still I still work uh, with them. And, and, and here's the thing is like I, I I'm, I'm dying to travel again. You know, this pandemic is, is going crazy. Like, yes, it's nice. And it's. It couldn't have come at a better time uh, in, in my in my life. It couldn't have come at a better time because, yeah. you know, I just got married. Uh, and she had you know, kids, right? Six months before that. She has two kids of her own yeah. uh, that I, are now my stepchildren. And I was always traveling. So I was always two to three weeks a month I'd be out. So it was, it was cool. But at the same time, like, it was nice for me to settle down, you know, get a house together, you know, like we because we were living in a townhouse. Mm-hmm when I was up in Rochester and then I had a, you know, condo in Miami that I own. Yeah. So then I was, I was going back and forth between both and then, you know, 
all this stuff. So then it turned out, you know, like this pandemic happened and I was like, all right, well, we get to spend more time together. And now yeah. I've spent more time with them than I have in one year. I've spent more time with them than I have in the, the four or five years that I've known her. So I was like, it's, it was a blessing and a curse because now I'm like dying to go back out on the yeah. road. I'm like, I need, I need to travel, but yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. Cause like Tamara would complain about my hours all the time like cause work until 11 at night or you know going in at 10 in the morning she's like i never see you i never see you i never see you and then all of a sudden it's like every day we're together and like she's like in in, uh, in the apartment and yeah, you know, yeah, you're yeah. like <laughs> yeah and then you know winter hits it's brutal because there's not shit to do except snowboard and like I'm, yeah I, I don't like the cold ever since i lived down south like the cold drives me nuts yeah for sure Sure. Like getting I, it, back it drives from me nuts, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Are you? Cold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm last time when I messaged you when we were in Miami, I mean, that was super nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was, oh yeah. I, I, I would I, love to go back. I, I I'll, I'll say this. Um, when the kids are all grown up, Fran, my wife, Fran and I, we're going to move to Florida without yeah. doubt. We're going to, we're going to go back down because I, I, I love it up. Up north, I love being closer, you know, to family and yeah. friends and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, Florida is where it's at. Like, it's got beautiful weather, and they, you know, uh, not being political, but they don't have state income tax. They don't have, yeah. you know, like all that stuff that matters. You know, when like on the outside of, you know, like outside of like family and things like that, all the stuff that like matters. You're like, holy shit, Florida's got everything. Yeah, great weather. They got no state income tax. They have, you know, uh, ocean. They have, you know, golf. They have everything. I was like, this is amazing. You can feel your stress level, like, bottom out. Like, oh, the second, 100%. Like, I'm a high-stress person, and Tamara, first vacation we take is to Florida, and she's like, she looked at me after, like, a day, and she was like, who are you? I'm like, this is what happens when it's nice weather. There's an ocean I can stare at, and... <laughs> And, you know, you could, cause you could just get lost. Like we were in Hawaii and I'm like, I'm like, so that's our end goal is to get to Hawaii, like have a couple of shops open, get to Hawaii, fly around here and there, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the grand scheme, what we would love to do, but. And, and so, so let's, let's get back to, let's get back to the shop. So at, yeah, at the yeah. shop, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to go ahead and you're going to have, um, obviously like a display. Yeah. You're going to have all that. You're also going to do sharpening there and. Will you sharpen in front of people? Because you said you, you, you do classes. Yeah. Will you so sharpen in we, front of people? Yeah. We, so we'll be sharpening there all day. We do um, offer classes that um, – so for like 70 bucks, you get a sharpening stone and you get the class. And the oh, stone wow. $65 retail. So That's awesome. So you pay 5 bucks for an hour to two-hour-long class, however long you want to stay basically because – I could stay talking about the shit all day long, so it doesn't really bother me <laughs> unless I got somewhere to go. You know, I've had some stragglers right. stay for two hours, like just wanting to, you know, talk and learn more because it's it's fascinating what what these guys do with steel and how they make the knives is completely different than what you're buying from Cutco and what you're buying from uh, even like Wustoff and uh, Henkel, which are big, big names, you know, that you would see at Williams Sonoma or, or something right. like that. So, I mean, I brought a couple of knives that we could look at that are in different price brackets that, um, yeah. and then I'll discuss like what makes the difference and stuff like that. Um, so this is, this is like, um, 
this is a factory made knife in Japan. So when I say factory made, it means that there's 10 craftsmen working under the same name to produce a product. It doesn't mean that it's rolled out in a sheet of steel stamped. Right. Because every knife, every knife has to be go through a process of, you know, either being stamped or forged where these are forged under a hammer pot and they, they pound them. What that does is compress the steel and makes it harder and they make them into shape. And then you have to anneal it, which softens the steel and you have to quench it. So you get it really hot and then you put it in either oil or water. Japanese like to use water, which is harder to use because it gets the stuff colder faster. So knives often crack. So, um, so that was like a lower end. This is, um, this next one is from a company called Nigara Homono, uh, Homono, uh, so, um, these guys have 350 years making samurai swords and knives. So this is one of our handles and, uh, this is called a, uh, Kiritsuke tip. Nikiri. Kiritsuke just means like sword tip. So okay. a nikiri is an, a vegetable knife traditionally in Japanese cooking. So um, their knives are very much purpose driven. Like each knife has a specific design for, for that use because it's what benefits. And now this, this is like when we get over the thousand dollar range and, um, this is called knives a, get that expensive for one knife. It's over a thousand dollars. I have some that are close to three because wow. uh, retired craftsmen and what they're made out of. This is what's called a hanyaki. And yeah. if you see the like wave in there, that's yeah, yeah. what you would see on a samurai sword. That's called a homon. And it's made from one piece of steel. And the reason this is so expensive is because the what's called blue paper steel or agome steel. Um, uh-huh. When you quench it in water without having the other pieces of steel attached to it, it'll crack. So if he makes 10 of these, four of them are going to crack. So, and then you have to really? polish it. So that's why these are so expensive and highly regarded. Wow. So, um, Japanese knives are typically made with what's called sanmai construction. Um, sanmai means three pieces. So they, they invented these steels that got harder than any other steel. Uh, agome, shiragome is blue, blue steel and white steel. And they're named for the paper that they're wrapped in after they're made. Okay. Um, there's a bunch of different versions of it. We don't have to get into that. But what they do is they take... They take that blue steel or that white steel or even some other steels that they still use and they take two pieces of softer stainless steel or two pieces of iron and what they do is called forge welding and they, f- they fuse them together. And what that does is because the steel is so hard in the middle, it'll crack or it'll chip. So when you put that softer steel on the outside, it makes it more ductile. It'll make it have a little bit of give where it normally wouldn't. Wow. Okay. And now, question: When you go ahead and 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 you get these, like, is this is this very similar? You've seen forged uh, the, the TV show? Yeah. yeah. 
it's it's that that's basically what they're doing over there to make these right they're they're pounding it out they're they're constantly dipping back and forth yeah they're in, doing in all the forage that. yeah and typically um in japan over coke which coke is uh, a coal that has um one of the byproducts removed and which is terrible for your lungs but they like to use coal um because they think it it burns carbon into the steel higher carbon content means harder steel but it also means that it can rust right because carbon rusts um, okay so they have their old traditions and you know uh samurai swords were made with carbon forges or, or coal forges so they heat them over coal which is really really hot and you can only heat a little bit at a time and then they have what's called a spring hammer um, for anybody that gets interested in this, uh, sh- shout out to Kevin Kent, owner of Knifeware. He made a movie called Spring Hammer, and it goes, it follows him in Japan meeting all these blacksmiths and learning how they make the knives and seeing them in, in work. It's amazing. That's cool. What, so, so you, like Spring Hammer, what, like, what is, like, when I think of Spring Hammer, I'm thinking it's going to absorb some of the impact. Like, I, that's what way my brain thinks. Like, what is, what is that? It's, it's basically leaf springs, to break it down simple, leaf springs that are on a truck, right? They're there, uh-huh. and it's a hammer that the leaf springs force down to hit the metal. Okay. So, so it's a, like a, a rod that comes off of the leaf springs and a motor that turns and it compresses the leaf spring, right, which pulls it up, and then it lets it go and it slams down and hits, hits the knife on another piece of metal that it's laying on while it's hot. And that's to, wow. that's to you know... Um, that's to forge weld and that's also to thin the knife out, lengthen it and to shape. And a really good blacksmith doesn't go to the grinder like forged in fire. He can use that spring hammer completely to shape. Like he might have to grind off a little bit or polish it, but when they're done, the knife looks almost exactly like what it's supposed to look like. Like forged in fire is like, if, if we're talking about Japanese knives, it's like 10% it touches. Like what they do over there is a whole nother level. Like if, if you've watched an episode of Forged and Fire and they had to forge weld and these guys can't get stuff to stick, that, that's what these guys do on every single knife. So, Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I, 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 mean, I just I, I, I went through your, your, your website earlier um, yeah. in the week, and then I, I'm going through now. I have it pulled up. Uh, you, you sell cutting boards as well. Yeah. And now are these made by you? Because you, now you're into this, like, develop. Are, are they made by you or are they? Uh, Those are um, made by a friend. Um, okay. Uh, uh, his name is Pat. Um, I'm working on that stuff. I just don't have the time. I, I went from, like, selling 24 or 36 handles to now having to handle my own knives. And now my main wholesaler orders my handles to sell at his knife shop in Japan. So Really? He, he, he messaged me. He orders 50. He gets the 50 and then he orders 160. And now he's selling them like hotcakes in Japan on his knives at his knife shop. He owns this little knife shop and is killing it with my handles. So now they're in Japan. So now I'm trading. Awesome. Like, hey, let me, you know, like knock $7,000 off of the bill I owe you for handles, which works out <laughs> in my favor, but it's cool. That is so cool, man. That is really cool. Yeah. And, and, and now I saw, like, you have pocket knives. 
Yes. Yeah. Are, are these now? Tell me a little bit about these pocket knives. I'm, I'm a big pocket knife guy. I, okay. I always, I always well, I'll I'll send you one. Um, just. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all I mean, about that. Yeah, I'll send you one. Um, so Higo no Kami, they were uh, a pocket knife that was like for whittling and stuff like that. Now they're just really common. Um, there's different scales on my website. There's factory made ones, and then there's ones that are made by hand, like this, like a big knife. You know, they're they're sand my construction they're forged and instead of just being factory made so um if you're on that page right now if you look under tomita that's like a he actually passed away a couple of years ago that's like a, a really cool one um that uh i actually carry it i actually have it in my pocket oh nice so I mean, the Japanese culture, they are just like everything that they do is just, you know, next level. They're 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 past the consumer culture and it's all about like making things to the best of their ability. So when, when I looked at that knife, it's got that same um, edge to it. Is, is it is that is that just a Japanese thing? It's got like that samurai, like you said, that sword. So like, what that uh, is, is the core steel because there's three pieces of steel, right? So that's right. the core steel being exposed because the hammer, obviously it doesn't, it's not perfectly even anymore. So when you grind or sharpen it, you expose the core steel and the core steel often has a wave coming through Got to it. the soft, coming through from the softer steels. It's also called a Kasumi finish because Kasumi finish, Kasumi finish is uh, softer steel on the outside stays cloudy when you try to sharpen it. So it, it helps show the difference between the two steels causes okay. that separation it's pretty cool no, it's so cool yeah it's yeah. so cool and then I, I i'm 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 interested like i'm gonna i'm gonna what do you call it i'm gonna look at some more of this because it's really cool to see these these uh these whetstones so my wife uh, she, she is uh laotian and vietnamese yeah and and her obviously her parents are too <laughs> yeah, yeah um and uh they they love to cook so uh, my wife has found really, really sharp knives on Amazon. Uh, they're called Kiwi. They're like yeah. eight bucks or t twelve bucks, super cheap, um, but really, really sharp. And then we we looked at it, and one is already the tip is bending, you know, because like when you put it in like the drawer or something, like it yeah. bends. So I was like, I was like, maybe I should uh, I should look at some of these knives for either my wife or uh, my mother in law or somebody like that because these are. Uh, I mean, they just look more solid. Yeah, right? like yeah, these... it, and but it's yeah. gonna stay sharp for a year. You know, like yeah, for a home cook. Yeah, I mean, if if well taken care of, these knives will last a lifetime. And you really like, there's joy when you cut something with it, and it's so sharp that like you don't even feel like you're cutting anything. You're like, this is cool. I kind of want to cut some more stuff. Like, let me go buy a bag <laughs> of potatoes. Like. <laughs> And it, it's yeah, all of a sudden the kids and, are going to be like, "Why are we having uh, Why are we having potatoes every night? It's yeah. easy because it's chopped. Yeah, <laughs> we're sliced. We're having different types of potatoes every time. It, it makes no, you, so, it, so, it makes you want to cook. It makes you want to cook. Like it, it really that's, does because you're really like, neat. I want to use this. It's it's functional art because these guys they they pour their heart and soul into these things. It's not coming off of a factory line. They they bust their ass they're covered in coal dust all day it's like a thousand degrees and they're standing there making these knives and 
you know, we do whatever we can to, to shout out to them and, and really let it be known, you know, what it means to us that we're able to sell them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty legit. Like I'm, I'm amazed because I've never seen uh, knives like this. I mean, I I'll, also, I'm not in that industry, so it yeah. would be very you know difficult, but I, I think it's really cool. And, and just for the average person, just to have one, you know, really nice knife, uh, that's, that's versatile. Like what, what would you recommend for just the average Joe? Like, for example, my dad loves to cook, yeah. right? He's not a chef, but he loves to cook. And he maybe cooks, you know, once or twice a week uh, when when he's off, you know, things like that. What would what would be the best knife for him? Because you, I mean, I'm I'm looking at your knives, and you have a million knives, you know. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, there's a lot. I can't even pronounce any of them, but you have like a million different <laughs> ones on here. So, so so like, what would what would be what would be for the average, um, you know, sh- like modern day stay at home, not stay at home, but like home chef. Yeah. What would be uh, the best knife for them? You, you want to look into what the all-purpose knives are. Um, Santoku and Bunka um, are two all-purpose knives. Santoku is the most popular knife in Japan. Every house has, that's what they use the most because you can rock okay. with it, you can slice with it, you can do everything. And then Gyoto, which is the chef's knife, right? Uh, it looks just like a chef's knife. That's that's like your other end. You know, you, those are your starting knives. Um, and then you, you want to look at a couple of things. Are, do you want stainless steel? Because are you worried that you're not going to dry it off properly? Because if you buy a knife that's high carbon steel and is iron clad, so that means iron on the outside, it will rust if you leave it wet. But it's not okay. to be scared of. People are like, oh my God, it's going to rust in a heartbeat. No. You rinse it with hot water and you dry it off and you won't rust. And what happens is it actually patinas just like, uh, you know, Statue of Liberty does, you know, the the green patina that's on her. The knife will start to show some cool blues and, and hues and stuff like that after being used. And then that's oxidation, just like rust is. So once you have a good patina, your knife won't rust anymore. So use it as much as you can. Well, people yeah, get, no, I'm, I'm looking. People get scared of it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking here. I, I mean, it's a good thing, but yeah. you, have, you have a lot of knives that are sold out. Yeah, I gotta get on there and update and, and, and get some stuff. It seems I was, like I, I was like, damn. Yeah, we had a, we had a couple of good weeks. It's supposed to be slow that's, season. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm happy that, that that's the case. Like, that's really cool. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm looking at the, the. Santoku and uh, Bunka or Bunka. Yeah, you're and good. They uh, they are like they're they're pretty cool knives. I'll yeah. say that. And they're smaller, so they're like typically six and a half to seven and a half inches, depending on the maker and what size it is, which is good for the regular operator. Um, me, like I use a two hundred and forty millimeter, which is nine and a half inches. Um, okay. Which seems like it's huge, and then. Now my wife is like grabbing my 240 off of the rack and she's like using it. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I kind of like it now. I'm like, yeah, once you get used to it, you realize that it's not that big, you know, but, but right. people get scared of the size of it. Um, yeah. I mean, so innuendo so, there. Yeah. yeah. I, I was, I was, I was thinking it. I was like, nah, yeah, I stayed away. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> trying to stay professional. No, I, I don't mind at all. Um, but so I'm looking here and you, you see a, 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 a bunka for, or bunka for 215 and then you see one for 160. Is it just the, the way that it was created and it could be that carbon one versus the, the other one? Like, is, is that the, the difference in the knife? Like it's a manaka blue. Manaka. And then Ivanka, yeah, yeah. yeah, Manaka blue, and then you have the Minatoshi Nashi, Nashiji, Nashi. yeah, which means yeah. pear, pear skin. Okay, so yeah. you have those two. What like what would be what would be the difference between them? And and like so like if I'm if I'm looking at this, I'm like I'm gonna buy my dad a knife. Yeah. What one would you go ahead and say if you're looking? And they're both 165 millimeter. They're both uh, the, the the bunka or bunka, um, but there's I mean, a there's a difference in in, in value. Yeah. So, I mean, there's four things that really come into it. Um, the maker, is he a master blacksmith? Has he, has he been given the master blacksmithing tag? Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce its name. It starts with a D. It's like, I'm not even going to try. Yeah. I'll butcher yeah. it. I'm, I'm not that good <laughs> with Japanese yet. Maybe when I get to Japan, but you get a certificate from Japan saying that you are a master of your art. Wow. So that's cool. That comes into effect with price that drives price up right now. You're on, you're in high demand. Um, right. The, the steel on the inside, the steel on the outside and what a guy feels like charging and what the finish is. If it's a polished finish, which is called Magaki, um, that's like this. It's always uh -huh. a little more money because they have to polish all of the dimples and everything from forging it out. Um, then there's Damascus, which Damascus is still just cladding on the outside, but it's a way for a craftsman to show his artwork. Okay. So all those things come into effect. Um, those Minaka and Munitoshi, though, like two of my favorite blacksmiths. Munitoshi. Oh, really? Munitoshi is an old man. He's like... 83 and he's known all around japan for um uh making like knives that cut steel and like big like heavy duty blades and he makes knives on the side and he only makes them that way and they're one of my favorites it's like one of my go-to's because the heat treatment the way he quenches the steel and the way he kneels it, it stays sharp so long and they're they're a little more rustic so you can beat them up and they can handle a little bit more uh abuse and then you have manaka who makes his knives old world style it's called warikomi um, what that means is instead of taking soft steel your your core carbon steel soft steel and sandwiching it together he takes mm -hmm. A piece of softer steel, whether it's softer stainless steel or softer um, iron, and he gets it really hot and he puts a tool there and he drives a wedge into it and opens it up and splits it like a hot dog bun. And then he takes the bar of carbon steel and he gets it hot and drops it in there and forge welds it. And what's that, what that does is it leaves the spine with the softer steel, which acts as a shock absorber. So it actually will keep the knife sharp longer but it's way harder wow. to do that this way. Way harder. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. There's See, a lot that goes into it. 
Yeah, like that stuff. You when when you go to the store and you buy this stuff, you're like, eh, whatever. You know, like yeah. this one looks cool. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. it. Yeah, but you don't realize that there's so much that goes into it. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, that's what they, you know, functional art is what they say, you know, and, and there's a reason they say it. Like, they won't call themselves artists, but I will. I mean, I mean, some right. of the stuff you'll see on the website, like, if you're on the website, look up Ken Kegura um, under blacksmiths. I only have one knife by him because he's been retired for like 10 years, but it's $2,600. Oh, shit. And that's a huge knife. Yeah, yeah, it's a sashimi knife. But so that guy's cool. He only uses recycled materials to make his Damascus. So there's copper in there, there's brass in there, there's railroad ties, all types of stuff. Now is that is that handle? That's his handle, or is that yours? That's my handle. That's my handle. Wow. So. So when you when you get all these knives, they're they're all handleless. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say 50%, 50 to 60%. Yeah. Some makers won't sell you without handles just because it's their product. They want it to go out the way they want it. Other makers, um, will. So. Wow. Yeah. No, this, this knife is. It's crazy looking, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I love, I mean, the, the blade of it, it's got this like weird, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's so nice. So that's that's the Damascus, and that's the copper and all the different models that's, that he folded yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, um, no, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So, and he's he's been retired for like ten years, and my wholesaler was like, "Hey, I got these Ken Kaguras. You you want them?" And I'm like, uh, "Isn't he not making knives?" He's like, "Yeah, he makes about five a year." I'm like, "Okay." Yeah, whatever. Wow. And then I found out <laughs> that they were the price they were. I'm like, yep, these aren't going to sell fast, but you'd be surprised. Yeah. You know, pe- people are like cult like about some of these knives. Really? Yeah. Some of the makers, especially guys that are retired, like that you can't get anymore. It's pretty. I, I look at, I look, I'm looking at these and I'm just, I'm at, I'm at awe on like some of these things where just like, you know, like, a $685 knife, you know, and, and it looks, it looks cool. Yeah. It just looks cool. And then they, I mean, man, this You're is probably the, looking at Takeshi Saji. Uh, no, Fujiwara. Oh, Fujiwara. Yeah. 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 Denka. Yeah. He's yeah. So yeah. Denka. Yeah. His, so his, him and his father are the ones that actually invented the way uh, stainless steel is forge welded to carbon steel today. So they have a long lineage of samurai sword making and he's just, he isn't known for making the best looking knife because the fit and finish isn't the prettiest, but he, he makes one of the sharpest and best performing knives you can buy. And that's why the price is there, you know? Yeah. No, I mean these are these are amazing. And now, are you are you gonna dabble in this in the in in the future? I would love to. I would love to. So we're in Japan. We were supposed to take a class with one of my uh, one of my the blacksmiths, where he was gonna take us and have us make a knife with him all day long. But until I can get the shop operating, put somebody in charge, and you know, mess around with some other stuff, because this isn't. I mean. I love this and, and, but I'm, I'm, I have bad ADD, so it'll be like three years and I'll be like, all right, what's the next, what's the next challenge? You know what I mean? Right. 
So that's what I tell my wife. I'm like, this isn't what I'm going to do the rest of my life. I'm going to own these businesses the rest of my life, but I'm going to, we're going to keep, you know, making next move. I'm, I'm trying to right. be the keep, next, keep next going, Grant yeah. Cardone over here, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. That's good. That's what you need. You need, you need to always, you know, have, have a, have a, a goal in front of you. And if, if it's, you know, for the next couple of years, you do this and get them up and running and, and still have them. You know, it, the key is diversification in anything, right? Whether yeah. it's diversification in businesses, diversification in learning, whatever, uh, or, or stocks and things like that. But I, I think that this is this is key. This is uh, this is a great great thing that you're doing. I'm I'm stoked for you, and and like it it, it truly amazes me. It's 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 really just a uh, something I never would have thought of. I never would think like, hey, knife sales is where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like never would have thought that. And every home cook should own one. Like, stop buying shit at Walmart. Stop, stop buying cheap stuff. Like, from I Amazon, pr- like I yeah. did or my wife did. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can get some stuff on Amazon that's not bad. Like the Yoshihiro is a company that sells on there that basically just rebrands. They have blacksmiths that manufacture it and they re- rebrand it. But oh, okay. Come to our website, pick something out, and like I tell you when. You're like, oh shit, I don't want to spend $100, $200 on a knife. But when you get it and you're like six months down the road, you're like, now I want another one because you're like, this is amazing. Like, uh, it's so sharp. It feels nice. It's it's fun. You know, it, it really, you know, if, for people who like to cook, I mean, it's the best. You, you would be surprised. Most of my sales are to home cooks or, you know, people that are into knives. They're not chefs. Because right. a lot of chefs just beat the shit out of their knives, you know, or they use the rental knives that the kitchen has. So, yeah. and, and they don't make any money. Cooks make shit for money. So right. that's why we work 80 hours a week. <laughs> yeah. No. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely look in, into this because I, I, I'll, I'll, uh, definitely, I want to, I want to learn and order one of those, those, uh, whetstones. Cause I think my, I think one, I think my, my mother-in-law would love it. Cause right now they use that, like the, the, the stick thing. Seal? Yeah. The, the thing like that. So what that does is it just, and every, every knife edge has mini serrations and what happens when you cut it pushes the edge folds over and what that honing steel does is tries to move the edge back into alignment it's not actually sharpening anything it's just moving the steel back and forth oh really yeah 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 so when you get like a japanese knife this these knives are almost too hard to put on there it can cause them to chip because this steel is not bendable at all. So what you do with one of these is you get like a leather, a leather strap. It's just a piece of leather on a wood. And you just back uh-huh. and forth a couple of times and your edge is brand new. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my, my buddy used like, it was almost like a, a, a I, I don't know what it was. I can't, but it was like a sander for my pocket knife. Yeah. It was like a, like an automatic one. And he just went zzz, and just like kind of like refinished i don't know it was yeah, yeah it was pretty cool but i'm assuming that's similar yeah it's uh it's just using a grinder yeah the, yeah the only difference is doing it by hand is we can go up to like 10 12 14 000 grit you know what i mean and a lot of sharpening i do is um with natural stones 
So there's stones that are mined out of Kyoto in Japan. Like they go break out a piece of the wall of the mine and it's, it's the right type of sharpening stone. And you know, they're, they're really expensive, but it, they last you a lifetime and they're cool to use. So, and, and that's what the wet stones are. Those are the sharpening stones. Those are yeah. the... not all of them. A lot of them um, are made now, but if you see natural stone next to it, that's like, uh, if you're looking at them, any of the ones that say Copa are a natural stone, stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, I see that. And then you have, um, I'm assuming the grit wet stone that's, that's manufactured, right? Yeah. 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 If it has okay. a grit in front of it. Yeah. Especially the ones that say RSK, those are our brand and stuff. Oh. Nice. That's really cool. No, I'm 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 pumped. I, I I'm and when I'm in Buffalo, we'll we'll have to get together. I, I did like I said, I didn't even remember where you lived and all that. And yeah, now I do. Yeah. Now now we can. Uh, you know, it's not hard hang to find me. Your a... brother's old place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's good. No, this is awesome. I'm I'm super stoked. I uh, yeah, I should be in Buffalo one one of these days. In, yeah, just in the give next, me a shout. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This is this is really cool. So so it's it's realsharpknife.com. Yep. Um, and then Instagram, real Facebook. Sharp knife. Yep, Facebook. Yeah. Um my YouTube channel's I think is under my name though, Dustin Swatrick. I don't uh, Okay. But you can probably search real sharp knife and it'll come up. I'm not sure, but I can email, I'll, okay. I'll message you over the link to my um YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. And then and then uh Basically, what we'll do is we will. Uh, I'm gonna post this. Uh, if you if you have a, any 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 picture you want uh, for for your post, let me know. I'll 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 use that picture for for the promotion thing of it, and then uh, it'll be on YouTube. I'll uh, and then it'll be on all the the major uh, podcast thing. Yeah. I, I, is there anything else you want to talk about? I'm I'm not. End, I don't have to end it. I just I just uh, figured that. No, um, you know, we're just hoping to be open uh you know sign the lease we're hoping to be open in three months you know we'll throw a big grand opening um covid restrictions allowed hopefully right hopefully we're like <laughs> hopefully we're past that we were we were we did like a grand opening with the other one and we definitely were not in law with covid restrictions but it was like a private party so you know yeah Buffalo. what well, uh, so so when you when you uh when you open this place up, you're gonna have to let me know. I'll I'll definitely throw it on all the social media stuff yeah, on my end yeah. as well. And um, yeah, you're, you're like that's super exciting news yeah. to have your own shop, your storefront, things like that. I'm we're, I'm pumped we're, for you. We're excited. We're gonna be able to build. They're like building us a room so I can do my woodworking and handle making. I'm gonna have you know my office because right now I like go to my parents' house to woodwork in their basement and it's starting to get oh, dusty okay. and my wife's, my mother's ready to kill me. Um, she's like, you're getting my <laughs> shit dusty. You can't, can't do that. Um, and then I, you know, have the apartment with all the knives. So my wife kicks a knife or a, sh a shelf every day and then gets mad at me for that one. So we're, we're, it's worth the money to just, even if nobody comes to the store because my life will be easier because the women in my life won't be mad at me. <laughs> yeah and and you know what you know what's really neat is that you'll be able to really do some some cool things you know like to to promote a certain knife or yeah I, have you have you thought of doing like a a, a knife club like so knife, like month a club of, or knife of the month club type thing no we we haven't we're we're trying to figure out a way to do 
a uh, a membership for sharpening. Um, okay. Uh, so like a bi-monthly, like five knives, you know, at a discounted rate, but you, you know, so we're trying to figure out some stuff like that. Um, I'm also looking to take on, uh, an apprentice or two to learn the handle making and learn sharpening, which would be like a three month to four month course of, you know, donating your time. Um, you know, I would obviously pay them in some products and stuff like that just to, to let them know, but. I, I can't really trust anybody to do this stuff until they know how to do it exactly the way I put it out. You know what I mean? Right. So, and yeah, that's 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 the really challenging part of of you know being a business owner where your product is your work. Yeah. Like making sure that the quality because well we talked about it earlier is like. Yeah. The kids nowadays, they don't want to work. They just think that everything's, you know, ah, I'll go, I'll do whatever they tell me to do. But I'm, I'm, you know, if I don't like it, I'm not going to do it. Oh, okay. Well, that's not how it works. And, yeah. you know, their their vision of quality might be different from your vision. So it's very, it's very hard. So it's it's cool that you're going to go ahead and look for an apprentice and, and you know, yeah. kind of. We'll hope. I mean, I've, I've gotten some emails about it and kids that, you know, or, or even some middle-aged guys that wanted to do it. Um, and we're, we're hoping it works out, but it's like, I'm sending these handles off to Japan. Like if they look a little different and I get a complaint because I let somebody else make them, you know, I can't have that happen because it can ruin. We're fragile. We're new, you know, you know, right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And we, our first year was in COVID and you know, we did okay. It's not like I made any money. I haven't paid myself a cent. That's, that's the price of opening a business, but uh, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've grown in inventory and, you know, we're tr- trying to compete with the big dogs on the Internet. Like, uh, I'm not even going to say their names because I don't want people to go to you the store. To <laughs> yeah. I get it. I get it. No, no. Kevin, Kevin out of Cal- uh, Canada from Knifeware owns five or six locations and probably sells more knives than anybody else in the world. He's one of the reasons Japanese knives made it to the United States and Canada. He is a good friend of mine. We speak regularly. Um, he's a purchaser of my handles. He doesn't look at me at his competition. He's, he's awesome with me. Um, I've had other guys like cut me out as soon as I started selling knives and like, you know, get pissed off at me. And I'm like, what do you, what do you want from me? Like, you knew what I was trying to do, you know, whatever. Right. Well, but, and on top of that, there's, there's, there's plenty of people out there, you know, if you're threatened by somebody doing the same thing, then maybe you're not doing it well enough. Yeah. In yeah. my opinion. Right. Like, like there's a million people that have a podcast. I don't, like I, I don't have competition. It's. You know, yeah. like, it is what it is. Like, if they want to listen to my stuff because I'm putting out good content, great. So if they want to buy your knives because you're putting out good product, great. If not, then maybe you got to step up your game. So you know you don't yeah. have competition. It's like, uh, I, yeah, I don't look at it that way either. Like, I have a buddy who I thought was my friend out of a shop in Canada that was buying handles, and he came here and I taught him how to make a handle. Next thing I know, he's making his own. And he's like, I'll never stop ordering from you. He's like, I couldn't keep up with it. Well, he hasn't ordered from me. He's not planning on yeah. ordering from me again, which is fine. If that's the type of person yeah. you are, right? I don't, I don't need that. I don't need your little bit of extra income. Like I'm doing well for myself, but I also, you know, 
I do business differently. Like he marks all of his knives up and then marks them down at a compare price. So it looks like they're on sale, but they're really just marked down to retail. I'm like, why, why are you doing business that way? Like, that's not right. how I am. I'm, I'm a straight shooter and I'm going to try to take care of people. And, you know, people that come into my shop and, you know, our cooks will have, you know, obviously industry discounts. And, you know, I just had a woman, she's, keeps buying stuff for her boyfriend that is uh, a cook and I I gave her like 20% off the other day just because I was like you keep supporting me you know like that's what this is about I'm not trying to get rich I'm I'm, if I can make enough to pay my bills and yeah you know you know um teach people and and you know create some buzz and and create some uh I'm losing the word, but passion about knives in the area, you know, and now we just lost William Sonoma and the Henkel store. So there's nowhere to get good knives except for right. uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. So come <laughs> come see me, it's handcrafted, you know, there's, there's can't beat it. I love it. I love it. Well, I, 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 I first thank you for your time. This is this is cool, and I definitely learned a lot. And like I said, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely uh, figure out what knife uh, to get for for my household, and then yeah. on top of that, I'll probably end up buying a knife for like my dad or somebody. <laughs> yeah, so let me let me know so we can. I'll, I'll I'll give you a discount code, and and I'll send All you right. a pocket knife. So you can have. Oh, one. I would, uh, dude, that would, that would be awesome. Yeah, I love. I'll, I'll send you. I love pocket knives. I'll send you one of the Higos. I'll sharpen it for you first, though, because they they only come like halfway sharpened. So. Oh, nice. Uh, I'll I'll tune it up for you. Um, but we're like we're bridging out into like I'm getting straight razors now, um, like for shaving and shit like that. So, oh. and and what we want the shop to be also is for the community. So if anybody else in the area like does make something handcrafted, even if it's artwork, I will make you room in my shop to sell your stuff on consignment. I want, I want this to be a place where we can get back to buying things that are made with love and with, with energy and not just about being cheap. This is about handcrafted, you know, so I don't even give a shit. Not mass production. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even care if it's a candle. If you make your own candles and you want to come bring them to my shop, I promise you I'll put them on a shelf somewhere and we'll sell them. And and that's just because I think it's important that these small businesses after COVID hit that we come back because how many aren't how many are oh. not going to come back from this? Yeah. The restaurant industry is destroyed. I mean, For absolutely sure. crushed. Um, no, that's it's true. I, I, I my my wife is uh she's the general manager of a of a restaurant, not not a chain or anything else like that. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, there's been struggle, but you know, luckily they are one of the only higher not high end but higher end restaurants in this area uh, that 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 it is, and you know they're doing they're doing well now. They're they're kind of like getting back not not to where they were pre-covid but they're yeah. getting back to where they're they're making money and they're like okay this is good yeah but there's probably four cooks that are still on unemployment that haven't been brought back you know what i mean because yeah i mean there's definitely people yeah and it sucks and there's a lot of restaurants that are just gonna say i've been in this for 30 years like 
I'm I'm cutting my ties. You know what I mean? Yep. And we'll do something else, and it's devastating. Uh, but so, For sure. um, you asked about cooking earlier. We hope to uh, take on another one of the lease spaces that we can have a uh, teaching kitchen in, and we'll do a couple cooking classes a week. Um, you know, like a fine dining, multi course class and then also uh you know knife skills all that stuff so that's how i can still feed my passion for cooking because i still love it but i just don't love the heat anymore right i that's that sounds awesome i i love i love the idea and i've never done it but like i love the idea of of the the, the cooking class where you sit there i mean i i i can't say i've never done it Shay, you know, he's one of my best friends. So like, yeah. he's come over and he's, he's done cooking, you know, where he teaches my dad how to do certain things, or he just made my, my parents, uh, you know, their 40th anniversary dinner. Um, and oh, really? it was, yeah, it was like, I think it was like four, uh, four course, you know, and it was everything. It was awesome. It was so good. You know, well, he's got that cushy there. job now. <laughs> he and and he's he's loving it he kills it there he's he's doing a great job there i i love it yeah i'm sure he, i'm sure he was always a good cook he, he was, he was oh, a great yeah. great cook you know like i remember in harkness he was practicing for the regional uh competition team and i would i would stay there and hang out with them guys and me and shay know each other a little bit especially from yeah. you know the industry and he's good people and I know he wanted to take this job to help with his be around his kids more, and that's what that's what the career is, man. You need to choose. Like my my old owner James, like I used to ask him all the time, like how do you do it? You got three kids at home, like how are and you got two restaurants and you're working 120 hours a week. How are you? How are, how are you happy? Like I right. I was mad I couldn't see my wife. I couldn't imagine having little ones running around. Yeah, no, it's. That's, that's for sure. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, you're, you're, you're choosing at that time, you know, mm-hmm. and, until, and, and again, a lot of, a lot of chefs, they don't want to go ahead and, and be hands off because it's their product. It's their name on the line. You know, I have a, I have a, I have a buddy who's, who's the executive pastry chef at, uh, you know, it was, well, at, at the other restaurant, it was Michelin rated at this yeah. restaurant. They, they, they haven't been Michelin rated yet, but it's like, He's in Chicago. He was at uh, uh, Brindy and Naha, okay. and and he, uh, I mean, it's his it's his name out there. So he he wants to make sure that it's it's like legit. And I so like it's hard to take time off. Yeah, and, and the worst thing you can do is micromanage, though. Like all it does is you put people in a box, and that's what I used to try yeah. to tell my owner is like, you questioning me every day about stuff is like. You know I'm doing the right thing. You just gotta like you. You have to. You gotta let people sink or swim, and and that's what we hope to do with the business, so we can open another location. But we actually that's got. Awesome. I never told you we got married in Chicago, and we hit Alinea, Next Aviary, every one of Grant Ackett's restaurants. We hit in one week. So they, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was the dream. So yeah, I I I, I go to Chicago quite a bit. Uh, well. Pre-COVID, I go to Chicago quite a bit, and I love it there. And mm-hmm. there's so much fun, so many fun things to do there. It's a beautiful city. It's definitely a, a lot of it's, walking. It's, it's definitely a place. Oh we, yeah, we yeah. walked like 12 miles a day, like just to walk around the city because it's huge. Yeah. So, so well, thank right. you again. Yeah, and and, no. uh, and and we'll we'll be in touch. I will uh, we'll 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 change uh, you know 
phone number. I, we've been Facebook messaging. We'll change. Yeah, phone I'll send you my number and, and everything and the uh, the link to the YouTube and all that stuff. And I appreciate you having me on. I, I, I hope I, I hope I didn't pressure you into it. I was just like, no, no, no. I, I dude, I I tell everybody like, if you want to be on, you know. But message me. Let me know because there's so many people doing cool things out there. I don't. I don't know. I don't have time. I, I just see things pop up here and there on Facebook yeah. or Instagram, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to have this person on. You know, I, I had a girl I uh, that graduated a year before me. She she wrote a poetry book, and I was like, and she was like, yeah, can I be on? I was like, absolutely. I would love to talk to you about it. You know, and, cool. and learn. You know what you did. So, it, dude, anytime you want to come on. You got new things coming out or you're doing different things or, you know, launching the, you know, the stores and stuff like that. Let me know. I'll have you on. I love it. Awesome. Thanks, Jerry. All right, I man. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. This episode is sponsored by Eat Right Foods, the official partner of the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo Sabres. So if you're looking to eat like a professional athlete or you just want to improve your life by eating cleaner and freeing up time for those things that really matter in life, Eat Right Foods provides a huge assortment of high-quality foods with easy online ordering and kitchen-to-door delivery. Uh, if you're in the Buffalo area, you can do pickup. Or if you are anywhere in the U.S., you can go ahead and order online where all meals are just $10 each. Shipping to the East Coast is included, and all Midwest and West Coast orders have a flat rate for shipping. Uh, orders are due every Thursday by noon. And then you get them the following week. Uh, all orders will be shipped out uh, the following Monday. And boom, meals to your door. So check out eatrightfoods.com. Giggy Bank Payment Tracker. Uh, whether you are a dog walker, personal trainer, or anything, um, you can save time tracking your self-employment income, right? If you use spreadsheets, notebooks, or really nothing at all, then Giggy Bank's for you. You can download today, and your first three clients are free. Uh, it's very easy to use. Giggy Bank tracks a single balance for each client. Enter gigs to track work done and increase the balance and payments to uh, bring the balance down. It's as simple as that. So uh, check out Giggy Bank in the app stores. All right, and SaberCon. For all your concrete restoration needs in South Florida, reach out to Jim or Scott at SaberCon. And last but certainly not least, uh, VitFit Keys uh, is one of the best uh, trainers with uh, Melissa. She will get your butt into shape. So thank you all, and have a great week.